Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right. Welcome, everyone. We have got another edition of the Flow Show. We got my man, Phil Galfon. This is our part two, number 122. But Phil, talk to me. What's going on? Good question. Um, I don't know. A lot's been going on, except uh, this last month, I've been kind of on my first break in a while. I mean, the the last year has been, um, well, over the last year, I've I've been playing these challenges, um, which has really taken up kind of a a lot of my time and focus. But uh, it's been really fun because, um, as you know, like for the past several years prior, I had not been playing quite as much and um, was focusing on the business. And got to a point where I was missing poker pretty badly. And um, so decided to, um, well, challenge myself and others and um, and play some poker and, and do it in a way that, that could promote the, the business as well. So it was kind of a, a win-win. I wasn't, you know, was taking time away from, from the day-to-day, but, uh, but still, still helping the business while I, while I played. Yeah, these challenges, I don't know if uh, you could technically get credit for it or the heads up or maybe, you know, that they, there's the high stakes duel. There's the feud, right? With Daniel mm-hmm. and, and Doug was was very popular. You obviously, the, the Benavidi one was, you know, all time. I think that was just like, we got to talk about it because I think it was right before you were starting maybe when we were last live on the podcast. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, that was all time stuff. Can you, can you kind of walk through for those that maybe didn't see it or just need a memory because it's so wild. Like what, what happened there and who is this guy you were playing? He's one of the best in the world considered currently. I mean, you're kind of considered the goat gets tossed around that word. I kind of don't like it. Right. Cause it's just like, ah, the goat yeah. just got that all over the place. But in PLO, I don't think anyone can really hold. You're kind of known as the guy, but you're, you're from the, you've been around a long time. So explain how that came about who Benavidi is and, and how that match sort of took, went through. Yeah. So it was the end of 2019, um, I decided to issue kind of a challenge and, and it was, it was not an entirely open challenge. A lot the, the dirt challenge of, of you know, many years ago, it was, it was kind of a, it was, op- it was open to some groups of people. I'll try to summarize, but, uh, others, I just said, reach out and let's, let's figure something out. And so, yeah. um, V was the first match that I played and actually it was probably a mistake to play him first. Um, cause he's very tough, but he was he was a tough negotiator and part, part of the, uh, part of the terms he wanted to play early. Um, and so I played him first. He's, he's well known in the, in the online streets, but, but obviously not so much in the live streets. And he's, he's, he's recently only, I think, I don't know, four or five months ago, uh, gotten on Twitter and, um, grown a bit of a following, but before that he was entirely quiet, um, and anonymous and he's still anonymous as far as his, his real name. Um, but he's out there with, with his screen name and, and, you know, kind of sharing more with the community. Right. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's one of the best online, um, played more six max than heads up. And so this challenge was, you know, a lot of studying for me and a lot of studying for him too, um, to focus on heads up. And we started in January, 2020, ended up taking a lot longer than I thought it would. It took many months. Um, and it went really poorly, uh, right from the start. And so it was, I think a combination of me, kind of having a lot of rust to shake off and um, some variance going against me. But I, I basically just lost almost every session at the start. And um, about, I want to say, I don't know, eight eight to 10,000 hands into our, maybe 8,000 hands into our 25K hand challenge. 
Um, he had me, he, he was up 45 Mayans, so 900K Euro, because we were playing 100, 200. Um, and I took a break at that point and basically to, to decide if I wanted to continue because the way the bet works is we had a side bet and we just play and either player can quit. They just lose the side bet at that point. Um, it's the same as losing the match. And, and so which was the side bet at that. I forget the exact odds. or whatever. So compared to the, the amount we were, <laughs> the amount I was losing the match, it wasn't that much. I, I, I laid him two to one on a small side. I mean, it's relatively small side bet for the stakes. I think um, I would win a hundred K he would win 200 K. That's a, uh, that's a lot of salaries for a lot of people. I it is, yes. You got to be careful. I know, I know. I, I'm giving our time. In, in comparison to what could happen. At well, the, yeah. Right. It's, it's, in comparison yeah. to being down 900K, um, right. the uh, the 200K I'd lose in the side bet was, was a smaller amount. Um, but, and at that point, like my decision was tough because I was basically drawing near dead to actually make a comeback and, and win, um, you know, have that 300K swing of losing 200 to, to winning 100. But... I felt like I had felt for most of the matches, like, like I was a favorite. Um, but of course was starting to question that given the results. I mean, the results were just really, really bad. And so I, I had to decide if I wanted to keep fighting in a spot where, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to have any shot to actually win outright, but I kind of wanted to prove to myself that, that I could beat him or at least hold my own. Um, and felt like, you know, I, I decided to come back and keep playing and I kind of made it my personal goal to to be above break even for the rest of the match, maybe win, you know, a, a quarter of it back. And we came back and it kind of went exactly the other way as it was going. And I was winning most sessions early and um, not quite as quickly as he did in the early going, but but pretty close. And by, by the time we got to, I don't know, 22,000 hands, we were back to even which is not a scenario that i imagined uh i mean i knew it was possible but it was not why i returned to playing i didn't think i could actually you know make the comeback and and um we so like the match defied the odds already in a couple ways like the the 45 buy and downswing was really really improbable the 45 buy and upswing um perhaps even more improbable to the viewer because it seemed like I was getting smashed. Um, um, but then it, it continued to defy the odds because normally in these things, you know, you, you get down to the final 500 hands and somebody's got a 10 buy-in lead and it's, it's just a matter of playing it out. Nobody's going to make the comeback and you can, you can play a style that, you know, kind of play a prevent defense and make sure that, that somebody doesn't make the comeback. Um, and then if it really gets down to it, you can fold out even, um, but it doesn't make sense to fold out. So you get really close. But anyways, I was never expecting one of these matches to be decided within the last thousand hands. Um, I thought they'd already be set, but we actually went into the final day, um, within a buy-in of each other. Uh, I think he was up like 10, 15 K in the final day. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it just made for a very, uh, compelling, uh, match like we we were probably getting on twitch i want to say like a thousand fifteen hundred viewers normally and and on the final day we had over twenty five thousand um just watching the final the the final day of the match because because it was so intense and um and anyways i mean long story short i i won with i managed to to win enough to to fold out with like i don't know i want to say 40 hands left or 20 hands left i forget what it was and 
and at that point when you fold out, was that, I mean, that, that's just, obviously there's 200 K on the line and that's just like what you're supposed to do. Like what, what did, at what number of hand, I mean, you have probably had someone kind of calculating and, and watching it closely and you were doing the math, but when did you, was there any, did, could he have done that at some point with a little deeper in the match to win? Or is it, is it like, it just was, you were so close going that last day, right? Cause like in yeah. theory, you would just, you could almost fold out or just limp and, and play a different, completely different strategy and, you know, whatever um, down the stretch. So uh, when, how did that, that seems like a very interesting part of it, especially it, close. It is really interesting. And it's kind of a, an ICM type situation that, that is new as far as I know to, to poker. Um, where, uh, yeah, like, I mean, like your chips, your, your actual dollar amount that you're winning. Well, there are a couple of factors, right? There's your win percentage of the side bet, and then there's your actual winnings in the hand. I, I did the math um, with some friends, uh, like in the final week, and was pretty surprised with how long you wait to fold out and how long you wait to to drastically change your style. And, and I, I think there was... Maybe, I don't know whether or not there was a point that Venny could have folded out. I think not like way early, but if there, let's say hypothetically there was, he, he could have folded out when he was up 900 K and lost back 700 K folding out to secure the, you know, the, uh, 200 K side bet that that doesn't right. make sense for him, especially right. when you think you're a favorite and, you know, just like at that point, especially because a lot of people have criticized him for playing normally when he was up 900 K and giving me a chance to win. But the probability that I would come back is something like a, you know, one or 2%. And so him risking a one or 2% shot at that 300 K swing is not really that much in EV. Um, when you're talking about sacrificing EV to play a, a style that's worse. Yeah, he seemed to be a really good sport from what I was seeing on yeah. just like Twitter and how, he, you know, I, I don't know how much you talk with him or your interaction before, after, or during, but, you know, mentally, can you talk a bit about what was happening when you took that break? Because, you know, it, again, forget about your financial situation, whether you have X or Y amount of money, you know, losing a million, it could have got worse, right? You could have lost two million at that rate or obviously, right? It could have gone even mm -hmm. worse. You could lose a side bet, but also just like from a you know, you run a business, you run it once, you're Phil Galfon, you got, there's like some respect and, and, uh, you know, to not get blown out, like you lose a close one or it goes, whatever, put up a fight. Cause it, at what did you, like, what did you do during that period? Cause that's gotta be tough. You know, fair, you're at home, you have your, your, your child and you're just like, it, it must feel a little overwhelming to like, when you took that pause, like what's going to happen, how bad could it really get? Uh, do I want to stop? Like, did you do anything like meditation and shift your, did you study more? Did you review what had happened? What was your actual process at that point when you took the break? To, to, and do you, think, do you think it was a lot of luck or did you actually do some proactive things that you think made a huge difference? I think it, it's tough to say. So I was working with Elliot Rowe throughout um, the match, which is, which was very helpful. Yes. Um, and he, he kind of helped me keep my head on straight as much as po as much as is possible in a scenario like that. It, it was definitely depressing. And um, especially to, you know, a, a 45 buy and downswing is, is rough anytime, but it was a 45 buy and downswing that started exactly when I resumed playing poker and resumed playing poker in the public eye uh, on a big stage. And so it, it was definitely, you know, some element, some element of it was, was embarrassing. Um, and, part of wanting to continue and even just like win back a hundred K uh, throughout the rest of the match was, was kind of to prove, I mean, it, I should say to prove to myself, but admittedly it's to prove to others that, that I could, you know, still play uh, against, against a guy this strong. And so that was a factor I was weighing. Um, obviously the financial factor is, 
is very meaningful. I don't think I would have let it get to to two million. I think probably at you know one point. I think I, I hadn't decided on a specific stop loss, but I think realistically, like one point three or one point five is when I would have stopped, depending on like how I how it and maybe even less, but how it felt when I got there. Like if it felt like I was getting outplayed, or it's just you know cooler after cooler things like that. Yeah, um, and, and, and obviously he probably has some hedge or, you know, people, I don't know if he maybe he has his own action. I don't know his exact situation. He's one of the best. But, you know, how do you think um, – I mean, that is a pretty significant, like, mental to deal with. On on, the, on your end, it's, like, uplifting. It, it's just, like, all time, right? Like, it's something I'll never forget mm-hmm. out of all the wins. You've won three World Series bracelets. Uh, you've, you've got, you know, tournament wins. You've you've had stuff that has to stand out. It's just, like, kind of like, wow. I mean, it's just almost seemed make-believe. Like, it, it really yeah. is, like – it's in, it's yeah. it's basically impossible. Forget about the comeback, but like that it went down the wire, the big lead, the story of it all. It's on your thing. Like, was there uh you know, how, where does that rank in sort of your poker career in terms of, um, I, I don't know, moments, excitements? Uh, where, where is it up there in terms yeah. of that, for example? I think it was really top. Um, it did that, that final day really felt similar to like a world series final table. Um, like just, yeah, the, the feeling the whole time. And I think, I think honestly, it was more intense um, than than a than any win. Even though you know, in the end of the match, I won like a thousand euro. I was up by like I was up a few big blinds and um, and the side bet. Um, so I've had bigger scores, but it it definitely felt a lot more intense because I mean it was a you know three plus month journey, um, and it's you know a lot of people said when when we were like three thousand hands left in the match, and I had gotten it close to even uh people are like well, you already won you already won you know making comeback like this is amazing but you know you don't you want to finish the story uh you know making a making a massive comeback and then losing by by one buy-in is it, yeah. it, there was a lot emotionally riding on it um for both of us and actually as hard as the like you're saying as hard as the early going was for me i think probably the second half on him is even harder uh emotionally to deal with because like I'm going, yeah, like I had some things I was dealing with, like it was such a public stage for me and I was getting embarrassed, frankly, but for him, he had, I mean, he just felt, I'm sure like he was crushing me and you know, he was going to keep winning and there's basically zero chance. Like I would make the comeback. And and so to have that, that bad of a downswing after that, um, like you said, he, he is a really good sport. He handled it extremely well, um, in all of our conversations, um, and even after the fact, like he, he was still happy. He played the challenge. He said he, it, it ended up being a big net positive for him. He came out a lot stronger a player. Um, and, and yeah, he was, he was in, in shockingly good spirits about the whole thing. Uh, I was very impressed by that. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty cool. And, and, and to be fair, would you say this is spurred? Cause was the Dan, the Daniel Negreanu and Polk, did it happen? It happened. It started after the talks of it. You know, there was mm-hmm. a feud with Esfandiari and Helmut, which got cre- really great reviews. And I love that table and the live. Yeah. Feeling they, I mean, it just seems like heads up. It used to be people would go box or MMA, right? That was how people settled things. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now there's uh the heads up format and poker go and, you know, carry and, and B Hanks and, and uh, platinum doing the coverage. And it's, it's, it's exciting. People like, like heads up. Up. it's pure they used to have the nbc heads up tournaments which no longer exist and they, I, mm-hmm. I think they could actually get a 25k or 50k heads up 64 person pretty easy nowadays uh yeah like it wouldn't be too hard to get it you know but it, it is fun people like to to watch it and uh I, I thought uh you know would you say that was a start sort of this heads up movement of this of what's going on because of how well that went i mean timing wise 
it definitely was. I don't know if I can take all the credit. I don't know what gave Doug the idea to challenge Daniel. Um, I would imagine that for Poker Go, and I don't, I don't, I could probably just ask them, but I would imagine for them it's more a, a response to COVID, and you know, how can we get some some coverage of of some poker without you know eight guys sitting around the table close to each other, um, you know, during the pandemic. And so I think they they probably thought of it as a, a way to get a couple people playing, and and it actually turned out being uh, th- that was like the Phil versus Antonio match, and I know that now Phil versus Daniel's coming up, um, but that match was was probably my favorite televised poker that I've watched. It was, it was really entertaining. And, um, you know, compared to a, whatever, compared to like a high stakes poker, which is awesome and really entertaining too. Um, actually maybe that's a bad example because those hands get really entertaining, but compared to like a WSOP coverage where it's just like Kings versus ace queen and it gets all in for 30 big blinds. Um, like the, the heads up strategy element was really entertaining as well as of course the the rivalry and the banter um and all that so i'm glad that heads up um is gaining popularity because i think it's an excellent format for uh for viewing it's obviously i I love to play it and it it lends itself really well to kind of the story of you know it's it's you know one-on-one who's going to come out on top Right. Yeah, it's the purest form for yeah. sure. And obviously the one that you've done a long time. What, what's your thoughts on this Negreanu Helmuth uh, matchup? Like, I don't know if it's official or it looks like they're talking about it. I think it will be because of uh, Poker Go. They're mm-hmm. both, you know, involved. And, and and obviously it would be, you know, it's big. It's like those those kind of matchups when you get Ivy uh, or those kind of four original core, I'd say like Esfandiari, Helmuth, Ivy, uh, yeah. you know, Negreanu, those are, those are must-see TV and, and there's a lot on the line. And what, what do you think the line is on that if it does go down? Like, who, where do you place based on just what you know of their games and personalities? Who do you think matches up better there? So, I mean, Daniel's obviously been studying um, heads up the, much more than he ever has, much more than most people ever have uh, yeah. for his, his match against Doug. And so, I mean, I would think that he has to be the favorite. But that said, I was really impressed by Phil in the Phil versus Antonio match. Um, I thought he played like he, he, I was really impressed. I, I, I posted something about how impressed I was. Um, Phil and actually Phil didn't miss that either. Phil, no, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Phil's one of the best. I love that guy. He is, he's really a quality man. He's funny. Yeah. He's, he's really, he doesn't miss anything. He's like one of those guys that just, I don't know if he's got assistance on it, but like the guy <laughs> doesn't miss a beat uh, on it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't miss a tweet. So yeah. Um, yeah, but he, um, I was really impressed by him. And I actually think, you know, if they were playing um, a match similar to Doug versus Daniel, like a, you know, 25K hands of online right. heads up no limit, I think Daniel would be a, a massive favorite at this point. But w- with all the studying that he's done. Um, but in this format, you know, it's a heads up, sit and go. It's pretty deep, good structure. Um, I think it's going to be a lot closer. And so what will be interesting is what Daniel's been studying is you know, um, well, I mean, he, he, from his interviews, it seems like he's, you know, they did some, some, they attempted some exploits, but he was studying a lot of GTO play and Phil plays in a, in a way that just like there are lines that you don't see, uh, a solver ever use. And so it'll be interesting. I think the big question for me is how Daniel's going to handle these, these situations that he hasn't studied so much. And I mean, studying studying optimal play does prepare you for those situations um, if you can think on your feet well for, based on what you've learned. And so I, I think the big question is how he's going to handle kind of the, the weird way that Phil plays. I think that Daniel should be a favorite probably, 
but I would not, you know, I would not lay significant odds on Dana. I, I think it's going to be pretty close actually in, in terms of win percentage. Yeah, I think I think one of the interesting points about that and Daniel, you know, it's almost like the whole Daniel Doug relationship is a bit bizarre, right? Like, yeah, I, I call I actually was saying this. I thought they would get a bromance going. You kind of saw it right away on the opening, which I thought actually took away a little bit of the lore of it, right? Like to kind of see these guys genuinely yeah. not like each other and then see them kind of like you know being friendly. But then you know there was the the thing with Ryan Fee. I don't know if you saw that that Lamborghini where he put thank you D Negs and there was. Yeah package talk and this and that um you know like there's a lot going on there and and obviously there's still like there's some needles and you know doug ultimately came away and won a bunch of money and i think his friends and people won money um but you know daniel you could argue if he sticks with the the amount of poker he plays and you know being in vegas and a lot of high stakes poker scenes of, of tournaments where there's a lot of money down the heads up and in shorthanded play and i, I you know I, I think there's no question daniel is it gotten you know he's sharp like you wouldn't want to play daniel heads up or uh right now like there's you know the guy definitely knows what's going on like he studied the ranges the blinds the stacks like he's 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 in the zone like to your point about mm-hmm. helmet so i think like long term if daniel keeps let's just take a decade of playing you know i would think in, the, in some of the big buy-in tournaments now there's million dollar tournaments there's 100ks a lot the big ones 250s like he's probably he probably did improve a bunch like maybe more ev than even the the money that was lost, right? I would imagine probably a lot more even. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that in some ways our, our situations are a lot different, but in some ways I, I feel like I can probably relate to, to Daniel in that, like we, he, he, he didn't spend time off of poker so much like I did. Um, I was, I was focusing kind of full time on a business and I would play like a world series event here and there. But what he did do is, you know, at some point in his career, he was making all of his money from playing poker and then I imagine it went to making very little of his money from playing poker, given how much he can make in sponsorship money. And so kind of his job in his mind kind of shifted perhaps to, you know, being, being an ambassador. Um, and so I think probably this, like for me, getting back into poker and um, working really hard and, and finding that motivation to compete at a high level um, again, um, it, it meant a lot to me and it's, you know, like I, I imagine, like me, you know, Daniel got into poker cause he's competitive and he, and he, you know, loves to play and loves to compete. And so I think that he probably felt, even though, you know, I'm sure he's really disappointed that it didn't go, um, how he'd hoped, but I'm sure he's also still excited and, and like excited to have that, that skill level that like that he hasn't had for a while. Um, not that it, I mean, he's, he's had great results um you know throughout his career but being able to compete like nosebleed heads up no limit cash is something different very very few people can do that um and like especially very few people who don't come from that background like he plays all the games he plays tournaments um to get really strong in this format is is really really hard and so i think it's probably even though he lost um been been fun for him to to kind of yeah, to, to compete at a very high level. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because that is something that uh, there there's a handful and your, your point about being a, a poker player, you know, he was grinding, going around, whatever. And then all of a sudden he sort of became the guy in poker and the ambassador. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, he's getting a big salary from poker stars at the time. You know, now he's with GG. He's got deals. He's got opportunities and all that. So it's like, you're right. It's at some point there's only so much time. And, and mm-hmm. that it becomes where it's like, all right, I'm making this money. Does it make sense for me to spend 
two hours every day grind you know be, you obviously want to be good and, and compete but like he he knows he knows how to win tournaments like daniel can get in any tournament and finish a tournament like it's not you know whatever he knows he's maybe not know every blind shove range and whatever but uh yeah it's an interesting point i feel like i think that's interesting for content um creator slash business part of poker like even yourself like you're saying how do you kind of balance that and and before the challenge was that part of the reason or the motivation because you know do you feel like where do you feel um you know the time you have a son uh actually we're very mm -hmm. similar in that like yeah. i feel like i'm more on the business side of poker content as well i have a you know i have a wife have a son where do you find the time to to kind of do all that and then study and, and were you studying like over the last five six seven years or were you just like more focused on the business would you say yeah well i have the same question for you but i'll go first <laughs> um yeah it's it's really hard and for me i do not do a great job of balance um and i'm kind of I, especially like i don't know I, I think a lot of us in poker have similar personalities and when i'm focused on the business and trying to help the business grow it's it's easy to get like very wrapped up in that and just completely focused on that and um when i'm trying to play high level poker that just takes a lot of focus too and so i don't i don't know if i could do like a 50 50. i think what i do is periods of kind of intense focus on the business and no focus or very little focus on poker and then intense focus on poker and then just high level decisions with the business and um i kind of go back and forth but yeah, during the time that, you know, during the few years prior to um, to the challenges, I was not studying poker at all, really. Um, and I, I don't do a good job of half and half. Obviously, with the family, like I, I'm always spending time with my family. And, and the way I do that is I just kind of have, have, you know, end of my work, start of my work day, end of my work day, regardless of, uh, you know, whether it's poker or, or business and then, uh, then family time. But as far as the yeah splitting focus does not work well for me i i, I like to have like a a primary focus uh, at any given time yeah so but just to build on that what what is your give me because i think i well i obviously can relate i think we're super similar yeah. especially with the, the the age of our our son mm -hmm. we have one child we're married uh we all, we're also you know not really purely playing that's not our, our business model mm -hmm. uh, or what for what we're doing. But uh, what is like some tricks you do? Like, do you wake up, you block off, you literally say, okay, I'm starting my day. Is it every day the same? Or obviously like 10, I'll tell you have a podcast or you count that part of your work day. Like, how do you do it where you make sure that you're spending optimal time with your, your son and your family? Uh, and, but also, you know, moving forward on, on your goals and business. Yeah. The it's, I mean, it's not super organized, but I do have, I kind of through the time that I was just working on the business, I got a much more regimented um, workday in place. And I was basically, um, I mean, my sleep schedules changed recently, but basically it was, you know, get up at six-ish, um, spend an hour, hour and a half, because my son would wake up a little before then. Um, spend an hour, hour and a half with the family over coffee and then um, be in the office until 5.30. Um, and then, uh, you know, spend the evening with the family. And, and that was usually six days a week. And then Sunday is just family day, which I guess doesn't work for MTT players, but uh, I don't play this. So uh, that, that's generally what it's been. But then obviously there are, you know, we're doing something one day and then I take the day off or we have a, you know, four day trip somewhere. Like it, it's not hard and fast rule, but that's generally been my structure. And that's what I've carried into uh, once the challenges started too. And Fortunately, 
most of my opponents have been um, in Europe and wanted to play early my time. So I haven't had an issue with like, like during the hours that I'd normally be working anyways. Um, I was a little worried that Chance, when we played, wanted to play. I think at first he wanted to play later, but then he was he was he had a, a daughter on the way, so uh, changed that. But um, but yeah, I would struggle if it was like if somebody wanted to play 4 p.m. to to 10 p.m. or something, because um, it's not what my schedule's like now. For sure, and I and I, and I uh, yeah, like I said, I can relate, and I, I just think that's yeah. always like the balance thing is always something that's super the same way. It's like kind of yeah, ideally it's like all right, I want to do things balanced, but a lot of times you kind of the way to get things done or, or push forward is to really push in a spot and do things right. But, uh, you know, and do it, do it all the, see it through and, and just focus on one thing. I, I'm a bit scattered personality wise, like, uh, you know, podcast, other stuff, YouTube, There's a lot that. going on. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like, but it's not, you know, it's, it, they, they say there's different sayings. I think ultimately it comes down to the person, right? You got to know yourself yeah. and know what you're capable of also know how to say no. Cause it's also easy to just take on too much or want to do, you know, do, uh, do everything. But, um, I, I don't, I don't want to, the, the, the heads up stuff super fast. I mean, I don't want to spend the whole podcast on, although I, we could, we could probably spend yeah. hours on what's, you know, Phil and, uh, you know, Bill and, um, Landon are coming up. There's, yeah. I want to just t- touch on your match with chance. You know, you, you ended up winning pretty clearly. How, how do you think that went? And what, what would you say about just kind of summarize that, how that challenge went from start to finish? It was another swingy one in that, you know, I, I started off winning, um, it was same stakes as many 100, 200, um, but dollars instead of euro. I, I started off winning 10, 15 buy-ins. Um, so like 250, 300K. And then he made a, he went on a 30 buy-in run to be up, to, to have me down 300K. Uh, but then from there, it kind of just was smooth sailing. And I, I don't know, I do think actually I played worse at the beginning of this, ma- like the, the beginning of this match, I played worse than I have in any other challenge. And I think that's a, a testament to the way he played um, because he, I was expecting him to take an approach like similar to my other opponents. Um, but frankly, a little bit worse because he hadn't, you know, been in, in the game, like heads up PLO, like, like a lot of them had, but he, uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, study solvers try to execute a, a, an optimal strategy and um, not really do a lot of guessing, but he, he did the opposite. He was playing a very kind of exploitative strategy putting me in a lot of tough spots and really challenging, like, like what I'm saying that you will, we'll see how Daniel handles against Phil Helmuth. Um, but like putting me in a lot of spots where I was not familiar with, like I hadn't played that spot before. And so I had to figure it out on the fly. And, um, it, it, it had me off my game, um, for a while. And it took me a long time in the match to, to wrap my head around it and, and figure out the proper adjustments. It's hard to say whether, you know, whether I figured that out and then it was smooth sailing or I ran good. It, it was, it was a weird match and that like, it felt really easy at times and felt really hard at times. And, um, I think that's just being kind of fooled by, by the variance of it. Um, so it's, it's hard to say. Um, but fortunately, yeah, for, from like, you know, halfway or earlier than halfway on it, it just started going really well and, and never looked back. Yeah. And, 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 uh, the two other I want to ask about the jungle man challenge mm-hmm. and also the the Bill Perkins because you said those are two only you have two active ones that are sort of started but like I remember actually jungle man was playing played on my uh twitch which was funny yeah when he was doing that on there and he's got you know his whole 
Ravens Falcons things, and he's, doing, <laughs> you know, he's, just, he's just an anomaly, just so so such an interesting guy uh, to yeah. play. But what, what's the status on those? When's the last time you played any of those? Are those going to get finished? Are they just kind of like lingering? Obviously, the Bill Land and Tice people are you know debate joking like, and, and Bill's one of my closest friends in yeah. Dunland. You know, I, I speak with and, and a good buddy of mine too, but. Bill is just all over the place. Like I'm actually wondering how he's going to do 25,000 hands. Like, you, you know, how many of you played with him? Like not many, right? You guys played yeah, no, against Bill, we probably played, uh, we've probably played if I had to guess like 600, I don't know, maybe, maybe a thousand. Um, we, I do think that's going to be, so I always knew that was going to be a hard one to finish. Um, and I knew it would take time. So I was in Vancouver for these challenges for about five months. Mm-hmm. And I basically told him, you know, whenever you're free to play, let me know. And I can like fit it in between my other matches. Um, and we only got two sessions in. Right. Um, now I'm, I'm in Vegas, I'm in the U S and so, uh, he, that match and the jungle man match are on hold until we're in kind of the same jurisdictions, uh, to play, uh, kind of unregulated, uh, online poker sites. Right. And, um, so th- they're all, they're both still going to happen. There's also, uh, the, the other challenge that hasn't happened is, uh, Brandon Adams. We're going to play live, um, we have a five-day live challenge. Oh, nice! But um, where? What's that? What's the? Is there, are the details on that out? Yeah, it's it's one hundred, two hundred. We play. I think it's five day. I, I might be misremembering. I think it's five days, six or eight hours a day. I think it's five days, eight hours a day of live. So, however many hands that is, and I think I I think I should just look this up to make sure. Um, <laughs> but I think I laid him one hundred fifty k to one hundred k because obviously it's not a very big sample. It's PLO. Um, yeah, heads up PLO 100, 200. Where it would, interesting. So, yeah, because I actually just had lunch with him the other day, and uh, Brand's an interesting, very interesting guy, a sharp guy. And I, I didn't know, I, f- I forgot that he does play some PLO, right? He plays mixed games. Yeah. And stuff, so, yeah. yeah. Be- no, he's he's played PLO for a while. Yeah, it's 40 hours, uh, 150K to 100K. How did that come up? Just friendly banter or, what, or like just whatever? It was like it was just when I um when I made my initial post asking, um asking about, yeah, challengers reach out to me he reached out and said hey would you do well actually we first negotiated an online challenge and then he didn't he like didn't want to travel whatever it turned into a live challenge um pretty quickly and um but no that'll be another interesting one to play he i guess i have i used to play with him a lot back in the full tilt days but i haven't played with him much uh recently right um and yeah he's he's a cool very interesting guy all right, so, let, let's quickly give me your take on Bill Perkins, Landon Tice. Are you familiar with this guy, Landon Tice? Uh, he just kind of merged. Like, I love the story that he was like, he was basically moderating or doing stuff on Joey's YouTube and yeah. he like just locked himself, it seems like, into a room and just became one of the best in the world. He's won a tournament live and, you know, he just seems like a guy you got, you like to root for, a young kid uh, and, and kind of, you know, living his best life. Um, and, and Bill, again, you know, is uh, it's just whatever. And there's a spot, I guess, nine BBs or whatnot. What do, you, what do you think of this kind of match before? We spent a half an hour on Heads Up, which I think it's fascinating. But let's let's close out. <laughs> we'll close out with this. Uh, yeah. With, with Bill and Landon, what's your yeah. take on this? I think, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, both, uh, I mean, I've, I've known Bill a bit for a while and, and is obviously an awesome guy. Um, Landon seems like a great guy. I don't know him too well, um, but know him a little bit. And he's obviously like, I think it was, I don't, I don't know exactly what his goals are, but he's gotten himself like very quickly. He's in the spotlight um, and really grown his personal brand. I don't know if he's even intended to, but, um, but he's, he's done a great job of that. And he, and he seems to be from, from what I can tell a great player. Um, I think that, you know, if it were me, like laying, laying significant number of big blinds, I actually, I think that even at nine big blinds, if I had to guess, I would think Landon's a favorite, but not a big one. Um, But 
And so if I were like cross booking, I would probably bet on Landon. But to play a challenge like that, when you're just hoping to eke out a few big blinds extra, like it's 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 a lot of hours to put in for for a very small you know win rate that you're that you're hoping for. And obviously, if if Bill um, works really really hard and and comes out stronger than Landon expects, it could obviously be pretty costly. Um, so I I always like in my challenges when I've had spots where I think I'm a big favorite, I've I've laid odds on the side bet, and I I prefer that to to laying big blinds, both in terms of like the narrative um, and also in terms of as a player, it just like, it, it just doesn't feel good to be like trying to, to grind out, you know, to, to win by a big margin, just to grind out a small edge in the end. Cause you're paying so much in uh, BB per hundred, but it's going to be a really fun match to watch. I think. Um, I, yeah, I think that's, it, it'll, it will be fun. And it's just a matter. I think of bill, yeah, you know, I see how much time and effort. I guess you know, where it's going to be done, it's going to be a little easier jurisdiction wise. So I think they can play anywhere. Yeah, on, on ACR likely, but I forget. I was just had a was talking with Bill the other day, but yeah, it's uh, it's fun. You know, it's great to see Bill. Bill's always doing some fun stuff and keeping it light and then making yeah. uh, you know entertaining and just having a good time. So, um, very cool. Well, let's let's talk about uh, the current landscape of poker. Things are happening. What's up with Run at Once? I know a big course release. My man Pads, who has Pads on Pads. Uh, a course is out. It's it's new. It looks fun. I just was looking at it, and now I can't find it. Where is this? Run it once. Uh, all the way on the left. Yeah, probably pads on pads. Uh, what? So what does that even? So it's Pat. It's Patrick on Patrick. Like he went deep. I, I catch his hand reviews each night. And I, I can basically say I'm doing PL solver and stuff because I watch his stuff and I catch up. And I, I you know it, it helps like to take take some stuff and in interesting spots. And I love his. He's just a guy that you got to root for and. He's just yeah. everywhere and a monster. So how did this come about? And tell me about this course uh, as well, because it does look interesting. And there's a lot of good content out there. So what's what separates yeah. this in particular? I think what separates this is just how much of himself he dedicated to this and how much he was willing to put out there. Um, he, he basically, so the way it came about is he tweeted that he wanted to, to uh, release a course and said something like, who should I, who should I partner with? And we saw that we immediately reached out to him. We said, uh, with us. <laughs> and uh, he spent like basically an entire three months making this course, like all day, every day. Um, it's something like 90 hours of content and growing because he'll continue to add to it. And it's, he just, I, I, it's, it's been really popular so far. It's, it's been selling a lot. I mean, more than our other courses, um, you know, over this period of time by, by quite a bit. And he's, I think it's because he just puts, he's putting everything out there, his whole kind of approach to to how, how he prepares, how he learns um, spots where like, you know, both optimal strategy and exploitative strategy and how he views uh, different things. And, and it's, it's broken down into, uh, well, broken down into sections, obviously. And, and I, I don't know, he just put so much into, of himself into it. And it really shows in the content. I mean, I, I haven't watched all 90 hours. I've watched, you know, a couple handfuls of videos so far, but it's just been really good. And he's also brought in others um, to help out. Like a, he has several videos with Kevin Rabichow on, on heads up play in tournaments. Um, and uh, I know he has some others in there too. Those are the only ones I've watched so far, but, um, but yeah, he, he just, I don't know. He dedicated himself to making this course uh, as good as he possibly could for several months. And I, I think it shows in the, in the content. Um, the, 
the uh the, the how much how many total hours is it and, and is this something that you i can you explain how how much it is and how it works exactly because i know you have a bunch you guys have a bunch of material yeah so run it once Gen, run it once training was always a just a subscription training site so we had two memberships um elite and essential 100 dollars a month and 25 dollars a month and we put out two videos a day um for for elite and essential has access to like 40 percent of those videos that we put out um we we only started releasing courses i want to say two years ago maybe a little longer and we started with um so we, we have we have a series called from the ground up um so the first one was just from the ground up no limit hold'em and the idea is even our essential membership is a little bit advanced and we wanted people to have an on-ramp to that for people who are less advanced um and, and couldn't quite understand all the concepts in our essential videos. And um, so we put together a, the from the ground up. So kind of not not like doesn't know what a deck of cards is, but but pretty basic understanding all the way up to, you know, being pretty good. Um, and that was really popular. And so we started doing it. We did uh, from the ground up MTT from the ground up PLO. Um, and then we if you click on courses, uh, should have uh everything and then we so we also partnered with um elliot Rowe, and he has a course um a game poker Ma what is it called a game Masterclass, something like that <laughs> it's really good um I, I yeah a game poker Masterclass. um i mean i mean i know you know elliot yeah, it, yeah it's really good um i've really enjoyed it and um i don't know one thing that i that i found in working with elliot personally and in the course is that you you go in to work on your poker mindset and then you just like figure things out about your life. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I found that really useful. Um, but yeah, pads on pads is our next course. So we, we, we've only just kind of started on courses and really, um, Elliot's course and pads on pads are the only, um, kind of high ticket courses are each thousand dollars normally, although pads on pads is, um, I think six ninety nine for a limited time now for launch. Um, the others are, are in the like 50 to $150 range. Um, nice. so these are the first two, two big courses. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, Patrick Leonard, I think it's hard to argue. He's definitely one of the best players, multi-tournament, uh, players of all time. If mm -hmm. currently always just kind of working, grinding and, and really has an interesting approach to the game. What, uh, do, do you believe, um, when you, when you like, is this something that when you study or you buy a course like this, is it best to just watch straight through or like, how do you study, uh, poker, what would be your suggestion to people on stuff like this? You just go or look at the areas uh, of, of the course and say, okay, this is what I want to focus on. What do you find works best for you? And, and how, because I always, I yeah. struggle, like, I've done raise your edge. I'm from that community. I've, I've, I've watched them run on one stuff, obviously. And I know there's, there's three or four major upswing has one as well. There's some, there's a lot of info, which is great. There's, there's different courses. People like learning differently, different, different tactics, different, uh, different little nuances or just also a lot of the same info, but just presented differently. So what, what would you say when you're making a decision to buy a course, why is run at once, uh, you know, or who does it appeal more to what type of learning and, and how does it, how does it work? I think there, there are definitely different ways to approach videos. I know some people who watch even like even videos that are not part of a course, they just watch a video and are taking notes and pausing it. Um, and they go back over their kind of file of notes from different videos and their learnings. And they write down keys that they've key takeaways for me. I, I think it's about knowing yourself. For me personally, I like to watch videos more passively. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, you only have, or I only have so many hours in a day that I can do like intense focused work bef before I burn out. And I, I learned this kind of more than ever recently in these challenges where I was trying to just like 
play these challenges, then spend a few hours working on the business, then spend a few hours studying. And it was just like, I, I couldn't keep my level of focus. And so the way I like to learn is, yeah, I do some focused work um, on like hand history review, database review or solvers, but then I watch videos more passively and it doesn't burn me out. So like, I, that's how I do. That's how I personally like to watch videos. Um, I know some people watch them very actively and, and like I said, take notes and, and kind of, you know, post a lot of questions to the video maker, which obviously you can do. Um, it's not my personal preference because I just like to conserve my energy, but, uh, yeah, I think you can do it either way. And, and the benefit of these courses, um, and specifically pads on pads is, um, well, I guess actually all the courses they're, they're well-structured. And so you can, if you want, just focus on, you know, preflop and, and, you know, whether, whether you're taking notes or you watch the whole preflop section twice, or you watch it through and you go back and be like, okay, well, I, I realized that like, I don't totally get blind versus blind, uh, three bit pots or something. Um, then you go back and watch that one again, maybe, maybe with more focus. Um, but I, yeah, I think it, I think it's very different for everybody and really kind of how you prefer to learn. Some people love working, you know, with solvers all day. And I, I burn out on that, um, yeah. very quickly as well. So I, I, you got to just know yourself. Yeah. It's a bit overwhelming. It's also not so fun and it's like complicated because it can take a long time. Not, not that it's just not fun, but it's like a lot of, I don't think it's about being lazy. It's just, you got to learn it. You got to know how to do it. Then you got to, it takes 30 minutes or so to input one thing and it loads and do stuff. So it's kind of yeah. pretty tedious if you don't, you know, if you're lucky enough to have someone like pads or uh, other people that do the work or have done the stuff and you can kind of get it and learn how to use it. it, it's good. But I think it is a little bit overwhelming and tedious to, uh, you know, if you're the one diving in and trying to do it yourself. So um, yep. obviously great and, and very cool to see that. And I, I look forward to checking that out uh, as well. I haven't, I haven't got that yet, but I will look at that. I can't wait to, uh, I see his Instagram kind of, he pads reveals a lot. You know, he's a giver. He, does. he gives a lot of stuff. He gives back. He does programs. He does discord chat groups. He answers people's questions. Like he's just one of those kind of uh, really nice ambassadors that has outward focus and, and poker. So it's great to see you guys teaming up. Tell me, also about run it up what's going on specifically i know that people have been asking about multi-table tournaments how is sure. online poker how is the world of online poker right now what's up at run it once and the u.s is coming it looks like for some places is that even on the docket is that something run it once could be in some of these states or no give me the rundown run it once current poker live michigan you know michigan Pennsylvania, yeah. u.s what's what's going on there yeah so run it once poker has um you mentioned multi-table tournaments. We we've had a, you know, we've, we've kind of been building the site as, as we've released it. So we released it with cash games only added a lot of features over the, over the first year. Um, and then recently released sit and goes, um, really cool sit and go format. Actually, I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really proud of what we built. Um, but we're still not done. We, we still have MTTs to build. We still have mobile to build. And those are the two big, big ticket items are really all of our focus, um, for, for 2021. Um, I don't think they're coming in the next, they're they're not coming in the next few months, but they're they're both coming in 2021 is the plan. Um, as far as it, it does seem like online poker is coming to the U.S. in kind of a more serious way than than it has in the past you know decade. Um, it's it's been moving slowly, and I think it's going to start to move a little bit quicker thanks to you know sports betting, um, online sports betting having some victories in the U.S. recently. Um, it's really tough to enter the U.S. as a small site. Like we, it's basically not, we can't do it on our own. So, uh, just it's the cost is too prohibitive, not just of, of acquiring the licenses, but then operating and growing a player base in, you know, these small 
jurisdictions where, you know, like if you enter uh, uh, Nevada with a poker site and you get 5% of the market, you just don't have any games. Um, so, so you need to uh, like, you need to not only get the licenses, but you need to come in with a bang and then some, some marketing money to spend and, and things like that. So we're not, we're not really close to a spot where we could do it on our own. Uh, but there are, you know, there are a lot of companies in the U S looking um, to get into poker. And so it's, it's definitely possible that at some point we find a partner that, that kind of wants to take us to the U S and helps us get into the U S in, in a bigger way. But whether that happens or not, the good news for, for poker in general and, and poker in America is that I, I do think more states are coming. You know, it's, it's, we, we've seen how the government works. It's not going to be super fast, but I think states are going to be, be trickling in faster over the next few years than they have much faster than they have over the last decade um, since Black Friday. So I'm hopeful. Um, not, yeah, go ahead. The Phil Galfond stamp of, uh, of, of point of view right now. Do you believe, or is there like going to be another, will we ever get back to the heights? Do you think there's going to be a mini boom um, content now poker go uh, real, you know, a lot of people doing streaming on Twitch. It does feel like there's been a, a boom of growth and, you know, I see the, the, the hard rock in Fort Lauderdale, WPT, pretty, pretty impressive to see 1600 during still kind of COVID pre vaccine, just starting to roll out a bit, but you know, that, that was like the third largest WPT ever. They put a million guarantee. It got like over five people chomping at the bit to play masks, uh, mask glass, whatever. Uh, it just seems like people are really ready to play some poker. So uh, it does seem like a good, it seems good. What do you think though? What do you think about like the, all, all of the live and online, what, what kind of like future forecast for the next year to five years? Yeah, I think the next year we won't see a massive change, but I think in five years, I do expect a mini boom. And I think the reason for that is I think it's going to become legal in more states. And as it does that, as it becomes legal in several states, and we have some big players competing. There's now the the ability for more poker content on on TV um, because basically at, when Black Friday happened, poker on TV. I mean, it didn't stop entirely, but in the U.S., it it basically did, and that's because those shows were being financed by poker stars and Full Tilt um, to advertise to Americans, and once they couldn't, the money wasn't there to 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 run those shows. And so I think that once once it's in enough states there's enough money in creating televised poker content. And of course, all the, you know, non like poker go and Twitch and everything that, that wasn't around, you know, back then so much. Um, I think there'll be more poker content, more people paying um, for ads on poker content and therefore more poker content and hopefully then more interest in poker. Um, but I do think, you know, it's not going to be what it was in 2004, 2005. And I think it's going to be really important that the sites are careful with um, with the way that they handle kind of the ecosystem uh, because it's not it's not going to be a boom like I said like the early two thousands it's going to be a mini boom and we're going to have a lot of new people getting in and if if policies and you know if policies and features are set up such that they just you know get crushed when they show up and play um, we we lose our opportunity to you know, to get them interested because if they have a bad experience. And so a lot of the things we've done at Run It Once Poker have been focused on making a recreational player's experience better, giving them more winning experiences, making them not feel hunted, uh, things like that. And I think it's going to be really important that if I'm right and we get this mini boom um, and it brings in some new players due to, the, due to all the content, I think it's important that we, you know, kind of don't let the ecosystem 
you know, crumble with, with, yeah, with, you know, I mean, like the, an example, which doesn't really, but an exa- the easiest example to give is like multi-entry tournaments, um, which I think I'm not saying there can't be multi-entry tournaments, but I think you bring all these players in and you have tournament with unlimited re-entries for, you know, for, for six, seven hours, just that the new players are going to get crushed too often. Um, and so I think things like that, you just have to be a little bit careful so that the players have, you know, the new players have a chance. Right. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a fine line. I think, you know, party poker that they've done a pretty good job on the one, limited one reentry and they do try to keep some freeze outs and whatnot. And I, that is a kind of argument within the industry on what, what to do. And, and uh, it, it is tricky, you know, live too. like some of these yeah. tournaments where you have Fox and then six rebuys at the same time, there's guys that are in five, six, seven, four rebuys that don't cash. So, you know, it doesn't make the prize pool bigger, but it's, uh, you know, you just gotta, I think you gotta find a compromise and something that makes sense. And it's, yeah. it's fair and do a little bit of everything and give people the option and see what works. Um, what, uh, what is your, what is your 2021 outlook on with, with COVID? I know last time we, I think it was, we last time we did the podcast, I'm trying to figure it out. I thought it was like last, uh, about a year ago. It might've been right before, right? Cause you basically started. I think it was pre, yeah. It was in January. So just, it was pre, pre COVID. So yeah. now COVID's happened. What have been some takeaways so far and, and how has your, how has things been? Have you been able to get more done? Has it impacted you? You know, it's kind of tough talk about because obviously the world and that so many things are shifted and, and messed up, but for you personally and run at once personally, what, what has been sort of the, uh, the, 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 the benefits and also the, the downsides for you? The- yeah. I mean, for me personally, it, it, hasn't hit me as hard nearly as hard as most of the world because first of all i'm i live kind of uh, you know i live in my computer anyways um used to living kind of a, i mean i have a family but otherwise you know I, I have a lot of experience living kind of an isolated life and um actually one thing that that the pandemic has taught me is is that like i actually this is off topic now but i i, I it was harder than i thought it it would be to to empathize with like i didn't understand how hard it was for people to isolate because it's not hard for me. Like I'm built differently than, than a lot of people. And I think in talking to friends and family members and, and, you know, on social media, things like that, um, it kind of opened my eyes to how different, you know, a lot of people are built. And, um, and it, it took me a while to understand just how hard it was on, on a lot of people. Um, the, 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 the isolation part, uh, independently. Um, but yeah, I, I feel very fortunate that, you know, it hasn't been a certainly, I mean, for a while is a good thing for online poker. Um, now it's kind of gotten back to normal, but for, for most of the year, 2020, it was, you know, online poker was up in a big way, um, due to COVID and, you know, I play online poker, I have online poker businesses. So as far as, you know, career wise, it was a positive. Um, but obviously, you know, it's a negative for the world and it's still, there are still negatives too, you know, like, you know, two year old son and, a lot of his family hasn't seen him in, in, uh, you know, over a year. And, um, yeah, I, but basically like, I'm thankful that it hasn't been as hard on me personally as, as most people. And I, I feel for, for everybody who doesn't have the luxury of working from home, um, doesn't have the luxury of, you know, having, uh, well, yeah, having businesses that can survive the, uh, the pandemic. Um, so yeah, I, as far as, going forward for poker, I don't have really have a good guess. Um, you know, it's, I know that, you know, live tournaments are coming back slowly. I know that they're going to want to like WSOP is going to want to run, um, as soon as it feels that it can and, and, you know, feels that it 
should. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough to say because like, I don't know, I'm not an expert. I don't know with, with the vaccine coming out and uh, kind of, I don't know what the curve is going to look like to where life is closer to back to normal. I would just be, you know, purely guessing. Yeah, for sure. And in in uh, the WSOP predictions, do you think I, I, I've actually heard a bit of stuff recently and I'm, I'm just not super I haven't seen their 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 feed or if there's any like official announcements. Do you know anything about do you, do you think there will be a WSOP in 2021? I think there will be. Um, I don't I don't know anything about it, but I would imagine that um, they'll either be kind of a smaller scale one my guess would be smaller scale one at a normal time, or they postpone it a little bit and kind of feel out how things are going. Because I know, I know some predictions say that things will be a lot closer to back to normal after the summer, but you know, who knows? Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they're going to decide if, if I were, yeah, I don't even understand all the factors. Like I was about to say, if I were them, I would, I would try to uh, run it a little bit later in the year. Um, but I don't even know, you know, they might have pressure to run it during that, you know, there are factors I don't know about in their right. business. Yeah. It's kind of, it was, it's weird because there was like a period where it looked like the Rio wasn't going to be hosting anymore. Caesars, mm-hmm. Maybe it was going to be at Caesars or somewhere else. And now, and now there's been a year and there's been some more, I think a shift in who ownership or management and different types of things. So it's going to be interesting to see where and when, and will it be moved and, and, and how important is it the summertime? Obviously Vegas summertime is not uh, so appealing. It's very hot, but it's also, it's very hot. They're tourists or have, uh, you know, that, that are able to travel and go and take that time. But there's a lot of what ifs. I actually, Moneymaker was on the podcast recently, and I didn't know that the, the World Series didn't used to be in the summer. So I think in his year, at least, there, 2003 was in like March. Or they oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, but the, I, yeah. I, never, I just assumed it was always summer forever. But I guess, you know, at some point they made that shift and it was before, you know, so every year I, since I know like 2008 or nine or whatever, that's when it's been. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know when that, that shift happened, but uh, you know, so obviously they pivoted before and they could, uh, they could do that again. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, let's, uh, let's dive in. There's so many questions. We've got a lot of, a uh, lot of great questions. There's a $111 ticket. We're going to be giving away courtesy of party poker and ask Phil a question. And I saw, oh, here's his Twitter you got, you got what, what are the ways people can follow you, Phil? Where should they go get you? Got your, we got your Run It Once on YouTube channel. We got the Run It Once Twitch. We've got your personal Twitter and uh, the site, which is now we just talk about pads on pads getting released right now. Pretty elaborate course. Uh, what else can people, where, where can they keep up with Phil? I mean, frankly, Twitter is the best place. I, you know, I'm on Instagram, but I don't, don't post that much. Mostly just pictures of my son. And uh, so, yeah, Twitter, Twitter's the, uh, the place where if anything's going on, I let people know. Very cool. All right. Well, we're going to go and, and give people a shot, you guys, to not only win a ticket here, but also get a question direct to the man right here. So, Phil, let's uh, let's let's dive in. And I got my moderator, Ghost of M, my dude, Marco, right off the bat. He's asking, is there a point where accepting a challenge from somebody becomes marketing for the lesser known person in the challenge? And what does he think about the etiquette of demanding a fee for that? So two-part question, but we're, you are opening challenges. Let's just kick that off as well right isn't there some sort of open standing anyone can come to vegas and play me yeah yeah i'm i so i'm 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 stuck in vegas for for the time being and uh i don't have any opponents right now here so uh i said i'll play 200 400 plo with anybody that that can get to uh well either nevada or or new jersey and play me on wsop.com um i mean i don't i don't get anything from wsop for saying that um but it's where i can play right now so uh, that is an open offer. Doesn't seem like there's there's any interest, so I'll I might have to find 
something else to do. I mean, I'm not, I think there are some people who would play me in PLO. I just think they don't feel like traveling from Europe to, <laughs> to the US to do it. Um, right. But um, yeah, I, I want to play another challenge soon and I'm kind of struggling to find action and uh, I might have to play like a, a half, half one or try to play a no limit one, even though I don't really know what I'm doing. But um, it's a good question from Ghost of M. The, uh, it is like we talked about with, you know, Landon and Perkins, this is a, Landon's definitely building his brand in a big way from this challenge, uh, I think, and, and doing a good job of it. I don't know if, I don't know if a, a fee, I don't know, maybe it does make sense. You know, anything, anything is possible. It's, it's a negotiation for challenges and, and they negotiated nine big blinds per hundred. Um, I think, I think one thing that could make sense is like, let's say that I were playing a challenge on, you know, run of ones poker and I wanted to, you know, challenge Phil Helmuth um, and we played it on the run of one software. I, th I think that, you know, that, that brings a lot of exposure to the business. And I think he'd probably deserve some kind of fee or increased odds or something like that uh, for that. Um, I think when it's like a person to person thing and there's no site to promote and it's just promoting personal brand, it's really hard to put a value on that. And so I don't, I don't think a fee makes a ton of sense. Very, very good question. And I think that, that makes, that's, that's right. We, uh, we got a question about uh, Jamie Weidel saying, do you enjoy living in Canada? I know you balance Vancouver, Vegas, give me a little pluses and minuses of those places. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Vancouver. I think if, I don't know, Vegas is, uh, I have, I have some more friends in Vegas, uh, I have a little bit of family in Vegas and can, we have a much bigger house in Vegas than uh, in Vancouver. We're usually in a, in, a, in a smaller, I mean, you know, relatively small apartment. So the the upside to Vegas is is people in more space. But Vancouver is an amazing city. Um, I think it's my favorite place I've lived. Uh, just the, you know, combination of convenience that you could get in like a, a New York, but with an, a, a friendlier, cleaner, more welcoming environment. Um, but, but, you know, you're not, you're in a city, but you're not far from beautiful nature. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I like the only downside of Vancouver, as far as I know, or as far as I'm concerned, I guess, or, you know, cost of living is pretty high and then it rains quite a bit, but I don't really mind the rain anyway. So I love Vancouver. I would, I would, if all factors, if all other factors were the same, I would, I'd pick Vancouver over Vegas. And where, where, where would you say the hotbeds are in, in online poker in the world right now? It, it seems like it moves a bit. I remember black Friday and a lot of people going to Mexico, Canada, of course, like those are, you know, pretty popular Cabo, uh, mm. Montreal, Vancouver, Vancouver seems to be one of the hottest hubs. What are some other gems or cities that you know that some friends or people go, go to that, that kind of, uh, Playa del Carmen, you hear a lot, like where's some areas that you feel like are poker hubs for, for players that are playing online? Yeah. I think Vancouver has been the place that a lot of people have like relocated to, um, whether it's, you know, part-time or full-time, um, that, that I know of, or at least people that I know, I think that for shorter trips, it's Mexico, Cabo, like you said, um, is, is a really popular place, but, um, I don't really know too much. A lot of the, like a lot of the players I'm friends with are either, they live in Vegas and they are rarely, um, taking trips because a lot of them play live or they're, they already lived outside of the U S and they're, they're still wherever they were. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah, it's uh, if you could choose one place, forget about, I mean, city, I guess, in the world, like where, where would be your sort of like forget family or anything, just like a cool city that you could do your, you know, play poker and just be in and do your business. Where would you like to live? Where would be the spot? I mean, I really, I think it would be Vancouver, but part of that's a, perhaps because I haven't been 
to enough places that but Vancouver's uh, of the places I've been, I, I I think I'd pick Vancouver. Vancouver. Wow, nice. That's good. That's good to be in the spot you, you want to be. Uh, yeah. What is the mo- hardest thing about being a successful poker player? We got Great Bluff Mary in the chat asking about that. I think, well, the the successful part is the easy part. But even as a successful poker player, you have long periods uh, where you're not successful. And I think the hardest part is, you know, staying motivated and focused uh, during downswings because, you know, poker is unlike, you know, a a nine to five where if you're in a bad mood and you're unfocused, you show up and clock in and you're, you're going to take home the same paycheck uh, most of the time in poker. If you show up, you know, you're, you're depressed about losing, you're not sleeping, you're unfocused, you show up, you're going to lose more. Um, And so I think that poker as a career and this is probably true of you know it's true of running a business perhaps and it's true of like trading um other things where you're kind of not 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 just paid a consistent salary um it's just the hardest part is keeping the motivation and and focus during hard times yeah and and do you think is that something that's learned or earned uh what what is the what is is that just experience and some people obviously are going to be a little better dealt characteristic or, or attributes to do that what do you think is some some suggestions you could give to people that they could do better with that like what are, what are some mm-hmm. they could do to, to develop that yeah it's i do think that an element of it is kind of natural and you know some people are luckier than others i i'm fortunate to be relatively even keeled i don't really get very angry um i can usually snap back into a, a reasonably good mood pretty quickly um if, if things are going poorly but i I think the best thing there, there's a decent amount of content out there. Like I mentioned, I'll run it once. So there's Elliot, it's course. And then also in our regular memberships, there are, they're kind of standalone videos from other people and there are videos on YouTube dealing with downswings, things like that. I think from a, I think the best thing you can do is, is just have poker friends that you talk to and it doesn't have to, you know, your friend doesn't have to be a therapist or a mindset expert, but they just have to be somebody who can relate and who you can relate to. And, um, you know, you kind of have that person to, and, and this is true in all of life, but a lot of times when things are going poorly, it, it's easy for it to kind of spiral in your head and, and to think that it's just like a lot worse than it is. And once you get it out and can talk to somebody who can provide some perspective or even just the perspective of hearing yourself say it out loud, um, can often help. I think, um, yeah, get your head back on straight. For sure. I, I agree completely w- w- with that. We got a question right here about Hawaii. Were you just, you were just in Hawaii? Somewhere? Yeah, I was just in Hawaii. It was our first uh, vacation since oh, I can remember. Same thing. Some video of a of Honolulu flight. Did you see that where the engine blew out? No. Twitter was like trending on the thing. Like the, it was oh, pretty, wow. pretty scary. Like the engine just like, with, like, like a, like a horror movie, like blew up and like was on fire out the window and the plane dropped and it was out of Honolulu. I just, it was like yesterday or something. I just caught a little video of it anyway. That So you weren't on no, that flight. You don't know where to tell from that. I think everyone everyone was okay, which is good. Good. Um, well, how, Hawaii, you've been there before? You said it was his first time? And how uh, second time. And uh, it, was, it was it was really nice. Um, just went with a few friends and we uh, rented a house. And um, no, it was great with good friends. And it was not a lot of doing stuff. It was just a lot of hanging out, catching up and uh and relaxing which i mean i was still doing work because that's just what i do mm-hmm. but uh but it, no it was, it was good and uh spencer uh, my son had a great time it's, it was his first time at a beach well 
that he can remember or, you know, that he could do anything. Uh, so he, it was really fun. Very, very nice. Yeah, that's it's good to take. You got to take a little downtime. It sounds like a, a nice place to go. How's COVID over there? Were people wearing masks? Is it, is it, is it kind of relaxed or was it very uh, strict stuff? And My understanding is that, you know, they have a better handle on it than than a lot of the U.S. Um, I think I think it's a little bit easier to control it on an island if you do a good job of it. But, yeah, there's still kind of same restrictions in place, um, not on a beach, uh, but restaurants, you know, play, like we went out to dinner twice, I think, and very strict. They you, you take a COVID test before you go, before they let you in to Hawaii. Uh, so you have to take a test within 72 hours, and then you land and you you fill out a health form and all this stuff, and they take your temperature. And I don't know, I guess they send you back if you, I don't know what they do, actually, if it, if you show up and you have a fever. Yeah, but um, I, That's a long flight home to send back. Maybe yeah. Area they can let you just sort of uh, mellow at. But yeah. That's, uh, I guess you'd, you'd want to go home probably at that point, though, if you just had to stay in like a a room in Hawaii for, for yeah. but yeah. all right, we got, we got one on the tee for you here from, from why ruts. I don't know if this is a plant or not, but why should I play a run at once poker, Phil, tell them, tell the people what they need to know about run at once. Um, run at once poker. I think at, at this point, I'm really proud. I think has the, the best um, kind of user experience um, software wise. Uh, it's, it's really smooth, um, fun, uh, effortless to play on. And we have a, we have a lot of policies and features in place that are, you know, depending on what kind of player you are, if you're, if you're a recreational player, I think you definitely should. It's um, we kind of protect uh, recreational players from being hunted um, from, from there being unfair advantages um, for pros. Um, and, and so like level playing field is big for us and, and it's a fun playing experience. So like, you're going to show up, um, join a game, be, be sat on a table. There's no um, table or seat selection. So you'll just be given a table and we have a system called table alias system. So on that table, you're given a name, but your opponents don't have history on you before then. Oh, you're actually um, given, you're given like a random screen name or like a number or something? Yep. Like you're given a random name per okay, each, actually, each table. You actually pick the player's like username at the table? Yep. Oh, that's yeah. cool. I didn't realize that because I played before. I streamed actually a bit. I remember back when you launched and I yeah. did enjoy it. I liked the software and it was nice, but that, that's a pretty cool feature. I don't remember that. So. Yeah. And so we have, uh, yeah, for that reason, you're, you're, you know, you're not going to get hunted as a, as a recreational player in the same way. And they don't have a database of statistics on you because they don't know who you are. Um, and if you're a pro, um, there is kind of the benefit of doing things this, this way is that recreational players have a good time and they, they stay at the site longer, um, play more often. And so the games, while, while a lot of pros think, oh, well, I can't use my, you know, my 4,000 hands on this guy, like I'm losing my edge. Right. The, the fact of the matter is in the short term, that's true. But in the long term, and even in the short term, like it means there are more recreational players at the table, per, like on average, because they're staying longer, they're enjoying their time and they, and, and their deposits last longer. Um, and, uh, we have, uh, we only have cash games and sit and goes right now, but, uh, the sit and goes, uh, are, are very, very cool. I think we have something called a uh, sit and go select where you can choose to play a lottery style sit and go, like, uh, you know, commonly known as spin and goes, um, or just traditional one where you, you get, you know, just predictable payouts. Um, and you're combined into the same player pool. So you can actually be playing a, like a fixed prize structure sit and go while your opponents are playing uh, something like a spin and go. And so uh, for players that don't want the, 
the added variance, um, they get that option. They can still play, play with the players that do. And it's actually, uh, our team did a really good job. Uh, it's beautiful uh, and, and really fun to play. That, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, that, that's that's good to hear. And I know uh, it's you know, congrats again. I know what a grind it is. Thank to you. Get yeah. Off the ground and and have it moving and forward. And it's got to feel pretty good because it is a it's a big undertaking. I think we spoke last time about you know it, it's sort of a comp- loaded question, but if you could say click a button, say I'm Phil, and you know here's my life and what I'm doing, and I'm going to take this project on, and I'm going to do a good thing for poker and make a good place for people to play mm-hmm. and do my, you know, which obviously it's a business. You're, you're trying to make money, but you're also trying to put a great product for people. Would you have done it over? Like, you know, the, the, how much work and effort and sweat tears, you know, is that, could you even answer that? Or is just, you've gained so much learning and growth as a person along the way too, or what would be your sort of, uh, you know, 50,000 yeah. on what's happened so far? It's a good question. Um, I think from, a, I think it's been, um, I think if I were to speak, you know, purely financially, um, I would not have done it again, but I have gained so much. Um, I've learned so much and we still are in a position. Um, it's still, I'm, we still have a big uphill battle, but we're still in a position to kind of, um, achieve my dream, which is to, uh, you know, have some control, uh, over, over the online poker industry and point it in a direction that I think is best for online poker and best for the players. And so, I think that, um, yeah, if you're to take it purely uh, from a financial perspective, uh, it, it has not been a, like my EV from this point compared to, to everything I've done and put in is, is not great. But, um, but you know, we're, we're, still, we're still in there fighting and um, I still have, have, you know, a lot of hope for the future. And um, I've, I've, I'm, I'm very kind of proud of what we've accomplished and I'm excited uh, and like what I've learned along the way. Um... There, yeah, it's I, I that that's a great answer. I think that yeah, it's one of those things, right? Like you can't really look at stuff like that, and and it sounds like you know it's just sometimes it's better if you just decide like all right, well, if you had known what you know, maybe you wouldn't have done it. But it actually, is net net. Um, yeah, you, know, you can say that about a lot of things. So I think that's uh, that that that's good to hear and and to do that. I gotta I gotta ask you about uh, about. I got to ask you about Top Shot. I got to ask you about sports cards. Are you catching any of this bug? NFTs, like what's your thought on this space and then the non-fungible tokens and, uh, you know, all this stuff? Um, what, what what do you think? Are you hearing this? Do you even have time to look at this? What, what, are, you, what are you seeing? Yeah, I'm hearing it. I'm, I, uh, I mean, a lot of people who I respect um, really believe in it. And so if I had to purely guess, then, then it seems like a, a good space to get into. Right. But my own um i don't know my policy uh is just like if i don't have unless someone that i know super well is and just like no is is ad- highly advising me to invest in something um basically if i don't have time to to learn about it in any kind of reasonable way i just kind of sit on the sidelines for the most part and so i don't have i i think it's better to do that than uh just kind of blindly get in there right. um it might be better to you know like there are these things that come along that if you get in at the right time it's a huge opportunity um and you know maybe i miss out on some of those because i'm i don't have the time to get to a level of understanding that i'm comfortable with um but obviously for for all the great opportunities there are a lot of ones that go very poorly uh so i don't know i it seems like uh based on what people are saying uh, and like I said, people I respect, it, it seems like a, a great space to be in. I don't have the time uh, to, to really learn about it 
uh, and have a an informed opinion. Yeah, it's um, it, it that it's true. It is hard, right? Because there's like a FOMO aspect of it, or you mm-hmm. do this or that. But it kind of takes like the right one of your core core guys or people to do it and to tell you and and make you feel comfortable to take that that leap because it is rabbit holes. A lot of the stuff too. Like even once, even if it's good, it's like how good really yeah. is it, and where where does that affect your other areas of life? So uh, those are definitely um, you know, yeah. I think they're fun, but it's uh, there's only so much time for hobbies and and uh, to. Uh, you know, to, to do different type of things. So for sure with having a family, we're not, we're not 18, 21 year old yeah. college is kind of, you know, the next, next thing and looking for more, more what, what the next deal is. Um, I want to ask you about your, your time at university of Wisconsin. So you, you came from the East coast. Now, how was it to go from the East coast to Wisconsin and Midwest sort of, uh, area? And, and, and you studied, what, what was your interest in philosophy? Give me your, give me kind of that, that decision to go to Wisconsin and how that was your time there. I mean, all the decisions uh, kind of happened because I didn't didn't care that much. So I like I I, I wasn't that excited about college. Um, I remember in, my mom actually filled out a bunch of college applications because I was just like, I don't really feel like doing this. So uh, Wisconsin was one of the ones that I applied to and got in. I visited a, a handful of them and actually went there just mainly because I had a friend whose cousin went there and absolutely loved it, and that was. I was like, all right, that makes sense. And I, I like the visit. Um, I loved Wisconsin. Uh, obviously, weather-wise, uh, it can be not great. Uh, it gets super, super cold uh, during the winter. But I definitely really like the Midwestern vibe and um, very friendly people. And um, I met a lot of really, really, really great people that I'm you know, friends to this day with. And uh, philosophy, I just got into because I... I was, I, I showed up not really with a focus and just took a bunch of classes and philosophy was the first class I took that really, I really enjoyed. Um, and so that was basically it. I wasn't thinking so much about the future and what I would do with uh, a philosophy degree, which I didn't end up getting. Um, but it, it, I just kind of, I've always been able to, um, I've always really, like, I've always learned a lot about subjects that I enjoy and I've always struggled to learn anything about a subject that I don't enjoy. So I've kind of let my interests drive what I focus on um, rather than like, uh, oh, I know that this major would get me a good job. So I'm going to focus on that, even though I don't like it like that. I, I can't really make myself do that. Right. Well, I was, I was uh, putting on a tee for you because I thought maybe the other Phil uh, from Wisconsin, you know, he would uh, won the, the World Series main event in 1989, went to Madison, went there. Your name's Phil Poker. The, the, you know, did you yeah. know Phil Hummus? Did you know like the, of this guy when you went to, when you were going to college? Did you know he went there? Was he, did he have a, does he have a statue at Madison? What's going on? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't catch, I didn't catch a statue of him. No, I didn't, I didn't really follow poker until the moneymaker boom. So I was a, that was actually like the end of my freshman year, um, the moneymaker boom. So I did not know. Yeah, I don't think I knew who Phil Helmuth was until yeah my second year of college. And I don't think I learned that he went to Madison until several years uh, later or was from Madison until several years later. Um, so that I, it would be a, I could pretend that that was my motivation. But yeah, no. Can't, we can't, all right, we can't stamp that. Fair enough. Um, I got, I got a, a question here from Papu and Winkle. What do you think the odds are for you to win that challenge? You said, I think you said like one or 2%, but he was asking what the odds were at that point. He thought he, he was trying to get a bet down at 30 to one or something. Was there anyone that bet you to win at that point? Do you know of any bets like that? Do you know what the current market was at that moment? I think they took the market down. I, I believe that um, Mike McDonald said 
in an interview that they had taken it down, but they would have put the line at like 35 to one. Um, and you know, I, I thought that my chances were better than that because I thought I had an edge, uh, which obviously nobody did at that point because I had just lost 45 buy-ins. Um, but I wasn't super confident. So maybe I thought I was like, uh, 20 to one. Wow. So even, but when you were one or 2% you're saying you still just, you're saying the odds to win, like to, 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 yeah, to win. I think that like now that I, if they would have put it at 35 to one, then I think one or 2% is probably wrong. I was just, I was just throwing in a guess, but I think if they were putting it 35 to one, that was probably assuming I was losing at like 10, 12 big blinds per hundred or something. And if I think I'm break even or winning, then it maybe is closer to, um, yeah, 15 or 20 to one. So like, yeah, maybe as high as five, seven percent. Right. Yeah. Pretty incredible. So we did cover that guys. If you want to listen at the beginning, we spent a fair amount of time on heads up, which I think it's super interesting. And there's so much, so many levels and dynamics, especially at the vets and the strategy and all that. So we definitely, uh, we did cover that. I saw, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Connect question about disconnecting. Give me some, you've played so much online poker. Do you have any crazy stories about disconnects or like a misclick or, you know, something a remote drops and you, you do there's any stories from your, your high stakes days that are just crazy that you just like still can't believe happen. How unlucky you're crazy. Good or bad. Actually, maybe you misclick good. Yeah. There's a, uh, the main two stories pop into my head. One was from back in the day online. I was playing, it was 100, 200 heads up, no limit against Daniel. Lai. this was 2005, 2006, maybe. Um, and we had played, a, I'd played all day. It was really late. It was like 1am and I'd been playing all day. And we get into this pot where I think he three bets, I call, he bets flop. I raised with a, I had a straight flush draw. I don't remember the exact board. Um, but I, I raised, you know, to call it off. And um, he, he disconnected and get the, you know, 90 second disconnection time bank starts counting down. And I was like, oh, well, I really have to pee. So I have 90 seconds. So I'll just go. I wasn't thinking. Um, so I just go to the bathroom and obviously he came back before his 90 seconds. He came, he did, he reconnected and, uh, shoved while I was in the bathroom and, uh, I timed out before I got back and, uh, folded my hand. Wow. Cause I was just like, I saw the 90 seconds. I was really tired. I was like, Oh, I have 90 seconds. Gotta go. Uh, and wasn't thinking. And then there's a hand I played. This is maybe harder to follow because it's a game that is not commonly played. Um, but there's a hand I played recently, like a few years ago, against Jungle Man live. And we were playing uh, pot limit, double draw, high. So it's five card draw, but you get two draws. Okay. And um, long story short is there's a, a spot where like he's representing trips and I have a flush draw and... I, and there's one draw to come and I just like, I, I don't know if I believe him. Maybe I do, but I, you know, I have some outs if not. So like he bets, he pots and I shove for like barely any more, 30% more thinking like, okay, well, if he doesn't have trips, then he's just going to fold. And if he does, I have outs. Mm-hmm. And, um, he ends up having trips and folding. And I was so confused, um, until I, I realized that actually all the draws were done. I thought I had, I thought there was one more draw and I was semi bluffing, but I was just pure bluffing river uh, because there were no more draws to come. And he just didn't believe I would bluff like that. So he just snap folded trips. But uh, so that was a a positive uh, mental misclick. Yeah. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah. yeah. Did you find, did you find it? Did that cost you ever in the future? Did you find yourself like, Oh, this, or did you like, Oh, that maybe this is a great line. Like I'm going to do this more often. <laughs> or that was just kind of a, uh, did you show your hand or no? No, I didn't. Not right. Yeah. We got that love. You guys aren't just yeah. over hand. Yeah. Over. Uh, we talked about, it. I mean, I told him about it later cause it was so funny that the way it happened, but, um, but no, I don't think it cost me later, but, uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have made the play if I understood where, we, where we were at in the hand. Right. Yeah. That just wouldn't have, wouldn't have gone down that way. So why do you prefer PLO? Give me the, this. Is actually, I love this question from Marcelo Chalet, MVP Chalet asking about this. How did you get so deep into PLO versus Holdem? What was the decision in that point in time where you just decided that you were going to be the PLO guy? The reason it happened is, I mean, Holdem was my only game um, and I was playing nosebleeds on full tilt and the action kind of dried up and, and the action all moved to PLO. I was like, well, there's a lot of action here, so I want to learn how to play it. And it just so happened that, you know, over time, I, I was better at PLO than No Limit. I don't know exactly why. Um, I think whatever about my natural abilities lend itself a little bit more to PLO than, than No Limit Hold'em. And I've just been there ever since as a result. And I, I kind of got further and further away. Like every year that passed that I wasn't playing No Limit, you know, the players were getting better and I was getting worse. And so I've never had a great reason to to hop back in um so that's kind of why but but i'm interested in in no limit especially watching all these no limit challenges recently yeah it's uh and, and is that is how big of an undertaking you think that would be like was it would you would you would you literally just go and get pat's course the new course and just rip through it and just get in the the mtt or what would be your approach if you want to well, i guess sort of cash game what would you do if you wanted to get into hold no limit hold mobi or your steps to really get caught up on that's a good question um yeah it depends on the format i think if it was mtts i would actually i would definitely uh finish that course um as first priority and then i need to learn about what tools are out there because there there are a lot of um like i also find solvers uh tedious and like the learning curve and setting up everything but there are a lot of tools now that are kind of uh like solver add-ons and actually we have at run once we have vision which right now is just plo but it's basically taking solver outputs and putting them into a much easier to digest format where you don't have to run anything yourself it's already run for you and there are a lot of tools like that for no limit and so i would probably you know go searching uh for one that that doesn't make me put in the um put in the legwork of setting up solves um but then really just playing i, I learn a lot by playing and reviewing and so i would want to get in there pretty early and and start putting in hands even though i'll probably be losing uh, at the start yeah it's um yeah it's uh, and, and yeah it's good advice do you think there's do you think there's a plo like a, a plo tournament like uh where, where do you think that is in its life because i feel like the annie you know plo generally doesn't have annies in tournaments although they've done that some now mm -hmm. what are is it just because the game's already so violent like it, that that they there hasn't been and do you think that could be something that would make it more appealing to people that could do like live plo tournaments uh yeah, or, or, or kick an Annie at the end, or something, or like after you know day two, or some. What would be your what? What does the Phil Galfon dream PLO multi-table tournament look like to make it? You think it would just be best for the masses, not necessarily best for you. You know, maybe yeah. gamble, put a little more gamble, or you know, because it does get a little. There's times where it can get dry, or when there's no Annie, and you got to be super tight and ICM and the bubble yeah. and that. So, give me your PLO dream formula. Yeah. So, Poker Go and Party Poker. Ha have um good formats i've seen in plo tournaments where there's an ante but it doesn't count towards the pot pre-flop pre-flop or ever i'm not sure how they each do it but yeah. basically like you know it's it's 501k blinds with a thousand ante 
but you can still only raise to what you could if it was if there was no ante. Um, and I think that works really well for for driving action because, like you said, it can get a little dry. Honestly, for a long time, I thought that PLO just didn't lend itself well to tournaments because what happens is when you get to the bubble or you get to a final table and then like there's so much ICM pressure and so little preflop edge to be had because like you're always 40% with, with any reasonable hand that it, it gets kind of silly to play because it's just like, if you're the big stack, raise every hand. And if you're like, you know, one of the five stacks that are vying for the next, you know, trying to ladder up, you just fold everything. Um, and so I thought it was not a great game for that reason, but short deck is similar in terms of preflop equities. And there have been a lot of short, like those tournaments have, have grown in popularity specifically live and then from the Triton series. And it seems to be a reasonably good, like people seem to like that as a format. So maybe there's more hope for PLO tournaments than I realized. And maybe the, the ICM spots are more, are, are more nuanced than I realized. And uh, I mean, I'd love, I love playing PLO. I love playing tournaments. I think it is kind of, I think people get discouraged in PLO tournaments because there's so many hands you just have to go all in with. And then you, you're flipping always. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's true in No Limit Hold'em too, in a different sense. Like if you get Queens versus Kings with 30 big blinds, you know, the money goes in and it's not, it's an 80-20, but it's kind of a flip because it would have gone in the other way. Um, but I think in, in Hold'em, it, like there's the, you feel like you have a little more control um, and you do a little bit to an extent, but I think psychologically PLO tournaments can be upsetting for people to play for, you know, play all those hours and then you just flop top set and they have a, a wrap and you're flipping and and that's all there is to it um yeah it's man it's 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 uh and what, what it's interesting what do you think the what do you think the 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 greatest uh what's the next best between besides plo you see the short decks come in play now plo hold them what are other good tournament games you want to deuce to seven that seems like the most fun i actually have never i keep saying i'm going to play one even if it's a smaller yeah. one just at wsop i just never have whether it's whatever for whatever reason i haven't had a chance maybe once i just didn't do it and i was like oh, i was free i wasn't in no limit event i, w- I wanted get in it but uh that that's just this seems like one of the purest games too is that maybe the most fun tournament to play or like for like the non uh you know like snap like raz or stud or something like is, is the deuce to seven triple draw or, or no limit the most fun i no limit single draw is the purest form of poker and that there's a lot of just does he have it or does he not have it i think it is a good tournament game um but I don't find it as fun as as Hold'em or PLO because there's less um, there's a lot less hand reading. Like, yeah, if you're great at live tells, it's the the perfect game for you. But there are just a lot of spots where you know they draw one and they either paired or they didn't, and then they bet, and you have to guess. Whereas in Hold'em, they take a preflop action, they take a flop action, maybe multiple flop actions, they take a turn action, and by the river you have a lot more information to, to kind of deduce what they have. Um, and I find that the most fun part of poker is, is figuring out what, what story they're trying to tell and, and uh, perhaps, you know, whether, perhaps where they went wrong in telling that story. Um, and you don't really have that in, in single draw because there's no story to tell. I draw one, I either paired or I didn't. doesn't matter what I did on a previous street. I paired or I didn't, and now I bet. Um, so there's less hand reading. So I don't find it as fun personally, but I do think it's a good tournament game um, uh, because equities don't run close. Like you can be dead pre-flop, which which makes for like a lot of you know high pressure 
clickback kind of situations. Right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, for sure. Um, we got we got another question about the, your uh, support coach here, Farah. How 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 is it? How does she help with you mentally? What's her? Does she? What, what's her role? And I played actually some high stakes with her uh, a bit, and and uh, was it encore? And she can hold mm-hmm. her own. It's pretty amazing. She's yeah. like highest level, the biggest stakes, and so I think we were playing two hundred, four hundred, or three hundred, six hundred. And she actually took a sick beat to my buddy who I brought. I remember like she. I think they ran it twice. She had like queens to a seven off for like pretty big pot. And I think she lost both runs and it was like, she just, she wasn't even like, you know, oh, how unlucky am I? Or like even like rolling the eyes. She just like took it and was like, it was just like, you know, so she's a tough cookie. I, I could tell she yeah. how to hold herself and carry herself and she understands some variants, but uh, there's a question about her. Camilla, how is that? Uh, how is that having her in your life in terms of like support with poker and that she actually knows how to play poker? Is that, is that nice or not nice? Cause I hear both, you know, depending like where, when you, it's, yeah. Yeah, give me that. How's that? Okay. Yeah, she's 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 very tough, um, and she kind of had that naturally. Uh, it wasn't something she learned learned from years of beats, uh, like 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 I have. Um, no, it's it's generally a good thing. I think the um, poker is a hard thing to understand for a lot of people, and I think it's important to have a partner. They don't have to know how to play poker, but I think it's it's really helpful when they at least understand, you know, what it's like to to you know, yeah, like. It's really hard to have a partner who doesn't understand like, oh, you've been losing for five days. You must be bad. Um, or uh, who doesn't understand something like, um, what was I going to say? Well, I lost my train of thought. But but who, and oh, who, who, you know, doesn't understand like, hey, I'm really sorry. I know we had plans, but this is like a once in a year game and I have to go play it. Um, right. Those are things that, that for a lot of people are hard to understand. So it's, it's really helpful to have a, a partner who understands those things. And I mean, Ferris extremely supportive and awesome for for a whole bunch of reasons but uh, i'm i'm very lucky to have her uh, both you know personally and and career wise yeah that's 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 cool and how and how is uh how is that with has she been able to play some poker is she getting her you know with the covid and has she been able have you guys found a balance where where you know you can't go play live really or you weren't i guess now actually some games are opening back up people are playing a bit now so what i guess tell me more my question mm-hmm. more is what's going on the current Vegas landscape with some of the games, or is there, is there games going a bit? Games are going a little bit. She, I mean, that's one area where she hasn't had as much balance as I know she would like. She, she misses playing. She used to play a lot. Um, and the combination of COVID and being a mother, um, has made it really hard both, both because like her schedule is different and, you know, live games generally go a little bit later. Um, but also she, she's found it, um, a couple of times she has played then this was b- before the pandemic um i don't know she felt kind of anxious being away um from our son and so that's something that she would like to get back to i know and like online poker doesn't do it for her she wants to play live um but i, I think probably if you know whenever uh, he gets into preschool which i don't know exactly when that'll be i think she'll be able to get back to it in a, in a bigger way and i'm looking forward to that for her the as far as i think that the games that she plays in have started to run occasionally and rarely and then the games that i would play in also have started to run occasionally and rarely like um i don't know maybe a handful of times a month uh so it seems to be coming back a little bit um i've been focused on online and actually like getting back to playing live full ring mixed games like I've been doing nothing but heads up PLO for for over a year, and I actually think it would take a while to to like 
get my mind, mind back into that. Um, so I'm pretty focused on, on online. If I can find action, if I can't find action, I don't know what happens. Um, but yeah. Do you find that shift is hard though? Do you feel like you're playing too many hands or just like not, not, you obviously know two, you know, heads up six handed, nine handed like ranges and what you're supposed to do, but do you find that in practice that, Oh, I'm in every hand and I'm playing. It's like, it's almost slow six handed or something or seven handed and you're playing, you're like, all right, you know, I got Jack 10 off and, or whatever, or, or yeah. I guess PLO, you're playing PLO, like a modest PLO hand where you know the book says probably not an open, but you're just, you know, flicking, open the pips up a couple. You find yourself like struggling with that after yeah. that, uh, intensity? Definitely. Yeah. Like going from playing every hand to especially going from online to live where, you know, hands are dealt so much more slowly and having to not play a hand. And then also you're playing again, like going from playing heads up against world class competition to games where you expect to have a big edge. Like it's really easy to play way too loose, um, and that's what I end up doing um, if I if I'm not really focused. And actually, I mean that's a problem for me live, no matter what. Um, it is playing too loose in a lot of games, especially the games that I feel really confident in, um, like PLO. And so I think that would be a hard adjustment. And even going back, even playing online six max right now, I think I would struggle a little bit in terms of maybe not playing too many hands pre flop, but fighting a little too hard post flop because of the ranges I'm used to having and, and being up against. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it does take some adjustment for sure. Uh, definitely. It's uh, it's also bouncing between PLO and Hold'em as well. I think that that's tricky. I mean, at least for yeah. me, but similar where you're just changing formats, variations. That's just sort of something you got to calibrate. Uh, how are you doing with family life? Ask Senya. We, we talked about this balance. How do you, do you have like check-ins with once a week, nightly? Do you do any kind of sheets or preparation to, to keep your balance in order? Cause that's something I try to give myself like a score. And sometimes I'm just like, you know, family takes precedent. It's at the end of the day, like money, whatever, you know, you want to build stuff, do things, but how do you, how do you hold yourself accountable to make sure you are doing that? Is it, is it, is it, we talked a bit about it. Do you literally just have a hard stop and start times? That's sort of like your way of, of doing it that's my way of doing it yeah and i think where i where i struggle sometimes is you know in my in my family time making sure that i'm focused on the family because it's easy if i've been playing a challenge to like be thinking about hands or even like reviewing hands on my phone um, and it's easy to have work emails pop up and things like that and so that's that's the area that i need to like where i can slip um and i don't know i i tend to just try to hold myself accountable. I talk to Elliot about it sometimes, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically it. I don't have a system so much. For sure. Okay. And yeah, we got ready, set, go saying, hello, Phil, if you're the best PLO player, who do you consider second? Give me a, give me a handful of names that are, that are in the top echelon right now. Currently, Benavidi, we know you just were battling with Epic challenge and you know, who are some other, maybe some people haven't heard about, well, give give us a little bit of a at the top what's going on in the PLO world. And are yeah. games still happening like on the sites a lot? Like, are there games going and, and high stakes online really? Because you know the, the tournaments seem to be booming in general, but high, cash games online it's gotten a little bit more scarce. It seems. Yeah, the the high heads up specifically has happened more in the last it seems in the last few years than than the years than the few years prior. I'm not exactly sure why that is, um, but yeah, I don't I don't think I'm number one in PLO right now. I I'd like to try to get there, but I, I haven't, uh, I haven't done that yet. I think I have, certainly haven't proven it. Um, I think the guys that are, and, and uh, there are a handful of these guys I haven't really played, but I think the the best right now are probably, or the people I'd be nervous about playing um, would be like very sweet sauce. Um, am so good. Um, ben 86. 
And I guess that, and then, I mean, like Venivity and Action Freak are both very good, but I played against them. Um, but yeah, the, those are, those are the ones that come to mind. I think, oh, Linus, I mean, he's more of a no limit player, but he plays the high stakes PLO at a high level as well. Um, but there are also, you know, especially being in the U.S. the last, I don't know how many months, eight months. Um, I'm not like I, I was only in over the last few years, like the poker I did play was challenges, almost only challenges. I played a little bit of poker, like a little bit of prep on stars, like heads up zoom, but I haven't played with a lot of these guys too much because I've just focused on individual opponents. So I don't really, really know. I'm just kind of going off what other people seem to think. Right. Okay. Let's take a few more here. I know we, we've done a lot. We've answered a lot of questions, guys. And I want to, we're going to get this giveaway for $111. I appreciate all the engagement, all the, all the interaction yeah. and uh, man, a lot of questions, you know, I think, uh, and Phil's just one of those guys. He's always got an invite. Hopefully we'll, we'll do check-ins at least once a year. I would love to have him on. Yeah. And we can, you know, if he sees some of these, he can, uh, you know, he, he'll take a look and maybe, maybe get to a few, but there's a lot. So again, great, uh, great for that. appreciate that, but we're just going to choose a few more. I saw a lot of good ones. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of these, if anything you see here jumps out as well. Um, but I seen a lot of preparation questions. What about warming up before you play? There seems to be a lot of people asking your preparation. And I know personally with the child and with running and being busy, it doesn't necessarily like in your in dream world, you hit the cold plunge, you know, eat your chicken and, and veggies and, and, and get on, be on time. The first one there and, and, and do your meditation. But what's the reality? What is the Phil Galfont? way of being before he plays online or live i guess give me a dream world and what what's the reality you know like they show yeah. like the twitter the instagram picture everyone's dialed up and looking good and then reality like that deal give me like what your yeah. deal is and what what really happens yeah i think ideal is um is you know a pretty like ideal is you know in your morning you you do like a light workout and you don't take on too much hard work focused work and then I, I do some kind of meditation or like uh, Elliot Rowe, um, like uh, audio, uh, and then get going. And that's that's ideal. I do an okay job of that during the challenges, um, specifically the chance challenge. I started to do a better job of that because we started at uh, 10.30 a.m. and I would wake up at 6. So I 6 to 7 sometimes. And so I had, once I decided I wasn't going to do hard work in the morning, I had a lot of time. And so I was able to to, to kind of reach close to the ideal when I normally play, I don't know, like when I play live, I basically don't do anything and I should, but I don't want to, I don't know, like doing like a, like a Elliot audio before you get in the car and drive to the casino is like, feels too far removed, but it's uncomfortable to just like find an isolated spot in a casino and do it. Um, so I tend to not do a great job of it when I play live, uh, kind of any of that. And also with the nature of live cash, um, sometimes you find out a game's running and you just have to go. Like you don't know that it's going to run. Then you hear that there's a game and you just go. <laughs> uh, so the, it, it's, it's hard to do it. So it, when I play live, I, I don't do a lot of that. When I play online, uh, I've only recently kind of gotten into a good routine, but for most of my life, I did not have any uh, pregame routine. Makes, makes sense. Uh, give me, give me a leak that you filled. Like what was there ever, what's, what would you say is the biggest sort of leak slash realization, whether talking to a friend or solver or just from trial and error, what's something you were doing in your game that you think really shifted from taking you to a new level? Was there something significant that stands out where was well, small blind play or bet sizing? Like what, what was sort of an aha moment in poker for you? If there is any, there are, 
I mean, there are a bunch. It's hard to go. I, I'm not, I'm going to do one more that's more recent because I just can't remember all the, the ones on the way back. But mm-hmm. I think a realization that I had that, you know, you, that I could argue is part of the reason that I, that I made a comeback against Venny is during that break, I kind of, the shift was I went from trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my range, like facing a river bet, like, oh, am I in the top X percent of my range? to call here or am I not? I I shifted from that to hand reading. And the, when you're just trying to defend, you know, uh, 60% of your range, you're assuming that your opponent plays perfectly or that you can't do better than that by, by hand reading. But one thing that I think is a huge skill in poker and one that I've, that I've been strong at for a long time is figuring out based on all their actions throughout the hand, whether they're going to be over bluffing or under bluffing. And I think that if you, it's important to keep in mind, like, oh, I'm like at the top 20% of my range. So even though I don't believe him or sorry, even, even though I really believe him, like this is too good to fold, I have to give him some credit and call this hand. It's important to, to have that in mind for like, so you don't make too many really extreme plays against good players. But, but yeah, I think that, that if you're just trying to defend exactly appropriately, you're kind of turning off a skill, right? Uh, in a sense, and and that's what I was trying to do, and what I what I changed. The main thing I changed in, in that time. Very interesting. Okay, last question here for now, at least. Again, I, I'm like just 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 a lot. We've seen yeah. uh, we've seen a lot, so uh, we'll take this one. Sky is just a positive. Uh, oh, actually, shout out to Kevin O'Donnell, who did say that he has to play 100 heads heads up. <laughs> Uh, for PLO, double or nothing for a year subscription. No answer. I think he's scared. So I don't know if you know Kevin well or not, O'Donnell, but I haven't uh, go there. That's my buddy. I don't know if you know him. I uh, guess I must have been scared. I don't remember. Yeah. Didn't want to risk that. Didn't want to risk the, uh, yeah. the subscription. I like that. That's a creative, creative built in some EV and uh, kind of a fun one. You know, that, that could be an interesting business model. But last one here, I think many of us can agree that you are most likely the most likable poker player in the community. That's a strong praise there from Savage. Look at Savage. His name's Savage, Savage Poker, but he's a sweetheart giving compliments out there. What do you think is the defining moment in your career that made people look at you this way? So, you know, again, he's trying to put you, take you out of your humble, humble, (laughs) tell you, you know, saying you're the most likable guy. Let's just assume that's true. What are things you think that uh, was a moment where people sort of got to know Phil or think that, wow, Phil's a good guy. He's not just a great poker player and Savage Crusher, but he's, uh, he's, uh, you know, He's a good guy and, and a likable guy. What, was there anything that stands out, like an interview, a moment, a winning, a this? I think what stands out to me, I mean, uh, thank you, Savage. It's a very kind thing to say. I think what stands out to me is a a really long time ago, I did a uh, a well on 2 plus 2, which is where you, it's basically an AMA. Um, and this was, I don't know how long ago, like 2008 or something, 2007, I don't know. And um basically just, I answered a ton of questions and I answered them very in depth and I was very open. And I think that, that, that was how a lot of the two plus two community got to know me pretty well. And so that stands out to me as, I mean, obviously the, the two plus two community is not the, you know, the entirety of the poker community, but it's a big part of it. And actually was probably a bigger part at that point um, than it is now, but it's still a big part. Um, so that stands out to me as like a way that people got to know me um, at that point. And I don't know. I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I think that was kind of the biggest um, get to know me moment. 
Well, look at it. People want to know you. People want to talk to you. There's a lot, a lot of questions. Again, we did do our best. We answered a fair amount and, and we cover a lot today in the, in this podcast. So let's, uh, let's do this giveaway. It's a $111 ticket courtesy of party poker. We're going to go ahead and copy this. It'll be of party poker, Phil and myself. We're going to go ahead and plug this in. I'll give you the final, uh, RNG and, and actually speaking of RNG, we'll, we'll just load this. Let me get this loaded up. But while I hear my son crying, actually, uh at the moment and i was actually just looking at top shot i've been a little obsessed with top shot i had a big fancy score this weekend too i, I think i mentioned you before the stream so yeah and then like congrats like, yeah firing. yeah it's uh, you're doing it all i'm, I'm, I'm just I, i'm in rabbit holes man i hit a, I hit a <laughs> really fancy i'm buying top moments like a fit like it's so crazy the top shot stuff i don't know have you even seen the site like have you seen how it's presented and stuff pretty um, I don't think i've seen the site i've seen like well i've seen individual like i've clicked on links to moments but i haven't explored further than that yeah, so like okay. I mean, I'm just, like so I've I've ended up going a little nuts. I think I have like 40, <laughs> 40 moments, but like you know, I, I just know I have a bit of a problem. I'm buying like Caruso, like for example, I bought this I think for for like fifteen hundred yesterday. It's just you know Caruso because who can't relate to this guy? Like the you know the, the guy in the Lakers, he's got like the you know no hair. He's a you know white guy. He's just crushing it in, in there, and he's like probably like an average NBA player. I don't know, but you know he's like buying a dunk of his for for fifteen hundred or you know over here. There's uh whatever it's just crazy like they're doing it like limited edition out of 15,000 yep. 300 like you know there's different plays like this one has gone up a lot it's just it's just kind of it's just kind of like a wild deal i think it could actually uh catch on but there's little little things to it now it's it's kind of sick cuz you see the prices people got in like yeah like like i like look at this this guy bought it for $24 i bought it for 1700 so like yeah. it's a little bit fishy but uh but at the same time if this play is like 30 uh, I think it's like 30 or 3,800, like it's gone up like $1,300 or something. Like they say the minimum sale currently and you can sell, but oh, okay. I don't know. I've seen a few guys go nuts on it that have bought or in a lot. Uh, Moneymaker's actually gotten really into it and he just sold one for like 20 something thousand yesterday. Like wow. he bought a lot. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. This, this could be someone's holding the bag. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a high stakes game of hot potato kind of, right? <laughs> like, well, yeah, that's the, the major question is if it, if it's, uh, if it's here to stay or it's a bubble and you could still, you know, even if it's a bubble, you could get in at the right time and out at the right time. But if it's here to stay, then, then anytime right now is the right time. So, but I, I have no knowledge to, to, to make a guess, uh, which is the case for sure. And I just, I just got to put a subtle brag on here. I did. So I won my first ever fantasy tournament. There was a uh, five, 555 entrants took first for 20 K. And the sick one was I got a second in a 1300 person one on the last fuck, playoff. I had one and two in there. And yeah. then because the, how they finished one and two, I dropped from 5.6 to five sixteen. And this guy, the other guy had one, we would have both dropped. But okay. it, so like I got, I actually lost 25 G's on that finish. I didn't even know it could happen. I was like, Oh, I got one and two. What could go wrong? You yeah. know, and then the thing just shot down. But anyway, so that's uh yeah, that's some of my bad habits. Do you play Daniel <laughs> at all or, or, or top shot? No, no. I, I, uh, my bad habit is, is poker. Um, okay. Well, that's, that's yeah, a good, seems like it's been a pretty good habit for you so, yeah, so far. Yeah. It's been so far. Sometimes good. let's do this, this contest here. I think I, uh, I lo load it up. We're going to download. I think setting records. Phil's got engagement. What, else, what do you guys expect? It's Phil Galfon. We've got a lot of retweets, a lot of people eligible for this win. So, Phil, you tell me when someone's going to stick it and I'm going to let you go, you know, play your son, do your, your tea break, coffee, whatever you do during the day. I feel like we, sorry, we went over the allotted time, but I feel you're just one of those guys. It's hard to quit. So I had to. Uh, it's hard to quit. Myself. You too. 
I'm proud of myself to to actually not make you say, hey, one more. So I did I did at least self put that out there. So go ahead, you tell me when to choose it, and and we'll uh, we'll, we'll wrap up this edition second part right. of the pod. All right, let's go for it. Yeah, there you felt it. We're rolling it. This is nice. $111. That's not nothing. I mean, these days, yeah, go a long way. This guy named Adders two very very nice his adders not one but adders two this was our second pocket he's got seven people he's retweeting he's giving love out there he's following the the directions doing things and he's got an 111 111 ticket uh that's pretty nice from from party man what do you think 111 you people have spun up from less man. oh yeah absolutely um let's, much less uh, yeah let's uh what was your online bankroll don't are you one of those one deposit or free roll guys what was your story yeah i was two deposit i i deposited 50 and i lost it and i deposited either 50 or another 100 and that was that was it yeah that's uh that's pretty nice so that, that i think you know it's similar like my buddy in the sports card world jason Kuntz, who he's flipped up like 30 plus million or more of inventory from nothing from card shows. Daniel Lai, you mentioned, I think his name earlier, mm-hmm. he was playing a game with my buddy the other day, randomly in some mixed game. That guy's just around. He's in action. He's doing stuff, but they, they start with cards. The same thing. If you really think about it in poker, the, the best part is the majority of people that are around from our generation that are playing or evolved. Like they, if they assuming they're not staked or they have some money and they're whatever, like, you basically start parlayed from almost nothing, right? You basically yeah. came from like, we didn't start with a hundred grand or 50 grand or you know 20, 10 grand. Like it was like, basically we all, for the most part, you start where you, you do free rolls or deposit 25, 50, this and that, or, you know, whatever. So it's, it's kind of crazy to think like that sometimes, even like in a bad moment or a bad swing, when you really look at the, the, the whole situation, yeah. you know, essentially we are building from nothing, which is, uh, which is kind of fun. And then to think about, so um, it's good to know that you're from that, same thing yeah i'm in the uh in some there's a few guys right that just pop in and have money and whatever and then yeah but it's very few especially you know our our age our generation yeah most of us were yeah 50 bucks uh, yeah it's it's exactly i actually i started on party and 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 i remember very very well like that that whole thing and that the software i love party poker software back in the day me like, too i started on party too yeah i, I just I, I thought it was like the greatest thing i just loved it the way it looked and feel just looking now where stuff's at versus then it's pretty um pretty pretty amazing uh so well phil man i appreciate it say hi to farah and your son spencer I, I, i'm sure our kids will be playing on a future poker stop somewhere yeah <laughs> and uh you know they'll be uh They'll be playing some some games together, whether it's poker or whatever else. So it'll be it'll be fun, and I know they're they're not maybe four or five months apart. When was he uh, November or December of nineteen? Uh, I mean New Year's, basically New Year's Eve. That'll be eighteen, yeah. So four months apart. So all right, well, cheers. Enjoy the day, man. Thank you so much. Thanks again yeah, for coming on, and, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. All right, guys, that's Phil Galfon. That's number 122. That's our second time. You guys can see the first pod with him as well. And we have got some big guests coming uh, in the next next week. So I'll, I'll get some updates on that. And I think we're going to go live on Twitch later today. I haven't decided yet. Do some, some poker review, show some kind of brag about our daily fantasy score. I'm not going to claim professional and maybe look a little top shot stuff and uh, disclaimers all over the place on all that stuff, poker included, but we'll go live <laughs> on Twitch and we'll, uh, we'll see you guys later today. So thanks again to Phil and uh, give him a follow across the board. Run it once. Pad's new course is out. I got to plug it because that's my dude and, and it looks powerful and I hope I, you know, I know I need to do it. So that's, uh, I got to, I got to find the time and get in. Maybe I'll try to sneak Phil or pads, uh, try to get a code out there or something. Maybe, you know, who knows? We'll see if we're lucky. If not, we'll just buy it and we'll fire it and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.